And I said, so what did you get implemented? And they said, we still haven't done anything. And I said, so the organization has spent $12 million or more at this point, and there's no tangible value. And, and the answer was yes. It's embarrassing, but yes. Real talk about revenue cycle improvement today on HFMA's Voices in Healthcare Finance podcast, sponsored by Red Dot. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Erica Grotto. If you've been listening for a while, you've probably heard Michael Booman, the CEO of our sponsor organization, Red Dot, talking with me about the value he brings to healthcare organizations that are struggling with their motor vehicle accident claims. Today, I'm going to be talking with one of the people Red Dot works with to help healthcare organizations tap into that revenue they're missing out on because of these incredibly difficult accounts. But he's got a lot to say about all kinds of topics, so I think you're going to like this conversation. Mike Duke is a partner within the commercial healthcare segment at GuideHouse and the author of The McPherson Principle, a novel focused on revenue cycle improvement and automation techniques. He's also a returning guest at Voices in Healthcare Finance. We first had him on in October of 2020 discussing denials management. So if you missed that one, I'll post a link in the show notes. If you know Mike, you know he's a straight talker. So I was really looking forward to digging into revenue cycle improvement with him and finding out more about what he sees as the best way forward. Revenue cycle is facing some significant challenges. And there are a lot of ideas about how to face those challenges, but one I tend to hear over and over is implement some sort of technology as if the technology alone is going to fix everything, which I think everybody knows is not the case. What we really want, at least I think, is innovation, new ways of thinking, maybe some new processes that we can support with tools that include new technologies. What do you think about this? How can we leverage innovation without making innovation shorthand for buy some software? This has been a uh, question that I've faced throughout the last 30 years, quite honestly, is are we implementing technology for technology's sake? Are we implementing it for furthering the business potential? And, And that's really irrespective of healthcare, but healthcare falls into that trap quite a bit. So there's a lot of things where the technology is, the next silver bullet, let's put it in and then we'll figure out if we can get any benefit out of it. So it's an incredibly valid question and probably always will be. An example is I, I had a, uh, a good friend in the industry that called me one day and said, hey, uh, Mike, uh, I'm going a little crazy here. We're implementing over $12 million worth of analytic solutions and we have no idea what the first use case of that is. And so I gave them some ideas on this might be some high ROI places to start. Called me back almost a year later and we got to talking a little bit about the solution. I said, so what did you get implemented? And they said, we still haven't done anything. And I said, so the organization has spent $12 million or more at this point and there's no tangible value. And and the answer was yes, it's embarrassing, but yes. And so it happens a lot. My opinion is and this is coming from an IT guy. I started out my career as a tech guy, really focused on the technology, but I've, over time have become more of an operator. And, and if the solutions are not business focused and from an operator's perspective, so the people on the ground that have to do work, if their opinions and thoughts are not deeply integrated into whatever's being deployed from a tech enablement standpoint, then all you get is the tech and you don't get the enablement. I've been part of projects where IT um, unfortunately led everything. And 
the user interaction was, hey, once we deploy it, you guys test it and, and try to break it. Well, by that time, you've already spent too much time and energy and, and emotional capital to, to get the whatever the solution is in. So the modifications are, are minor from a uh, user feedback standpoint, but highly committed to looking at it from a business value perspective. And I really don't care about the technology, whether it's an EMR, whether it's automation tools, analytics, whatever it might be. I start with the business benefit in mind and then work backwards to the most appropriate technology enabler that, that we can find or afford is, is really the way I approach it. I've heard similar things to that before, not just healthcare. I've definitely had experiences in my career where there's some new system that's supposed to solve all the problems that solves maybe one problem and creates 10 more. So um, I can definitely sympathize with, with people who are going through this. But do you think that that the process then should be maybe an, an internal analysis and bringing in stakeholders to discuss what challenges you're trying to overcome and then trying to find the technology to support what you want to do? Is, is that the way to go about it? Unfortunately, technology is sold as a feature. You know, I've got this feature rich piece of technology that will really help you if you if you kind of use it for the feature where I think it should be, again, exactly to your point is what's the benefit I'm trying to achieve? And then do those features support what problem I'm trying to solve? And unfortunately, I think a lot of us get caught up in the eye candy of technology. It's like, it's got really cool graphs. It's got, look at this, I can hover over things or I can click here or, or a salesperson will tell you that you know, a human doesn't even have to be involved. It's all in the black box uh, kind of thing. And, and so I think be real mindful of not giving a lot of credence to the features of whatever the technology solution is, but focusing more on what's the benefit I hope that it, it drives and then be incredibly diligent around making sure working backwards from there on how you want to design, configure, or select that specific piece of technology. In just about every episode that I'm recording these days, I'm speaking with my guests about workforce shortages because it applies to pretty much any topic that I can get into on this podcast. And it's a big issue right now in healthcare, not just in clinical settings, but in RevCycle teams and kind of everywhere across the board. We know because of these shortages that will not get solved quickly. There's not going to be a giant wave of new people coming in who are equipped to do the jobs that we need them to do, we're going to have to change the way we do the work. There are, again, a lot of ways we could do that. Technology could be one of those things. Repurposing staff could be something. But it's clear that we're going to have to start thinking creatively about how we do the work we do. Where do you think some opportunities lie for the industry in that regard? I think we need to look at other disciplines to some extent. There's a couple approaches that may solve some of these staffing issues. One, even if we get a new wave of inbound FTE resources, there's no guarantee that they're going to be competent. And if they do become competent, it's going to take some time. So it doesn't solve the problem day one, even if we had that luxury, which we don't. Blending outsourcing to some extent for specific things like we always have. Right, uh, self-pay has been prevalent throughout the industry on outsourcing it. Some other things um, where we send accounts to attorneys that are incredibly complex and court-related and those things. But finding a partner that 
also leverages technology to drive down their costs because then in relation that will drive down your vendor costs if uh, if your deals are structured appropriately so we talked a little bit about the technology enablement and solving a problem but some of that outsourcing needs to be a consideration for what tools and technologies they use so they're just not throwing a handful of people at it that has a high cost factor so that's that's kind of one if you if you go that route of of leveraging partner companies to do some of the work, make sure they're incredibly efficient, not just effective at what they do. But the second piece of that is you you stated that we're going to have to look at different ways to perform work and do business. And I think that's right. You know, my book, The McPherson Principle, that's one of the reasons that I wrote that was to put concepts in place, but in a story format so that most everybody that functions, at least in revenue cycle, can relate to it and say, okay, that's an idea. Let me see if I can apply that to our organization. For example, um, the the concept of manufacturing throughput is not widely considered when it comes to revenue cycle activities and performance. Well, throughput is just the consistent pass-through of raw materials to a finished product and all the the steps and, and stages in between, not unlike you know, the point of scheduling all the way through claim adjudication. And so if we start measuring things on throughput, it gives us a different lens in which to view how efficient our organization is on on handling a process, in this case, revenue cycle. You know, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to take a look at a new metric where it's it's called the operational efficiency rate or uh, efficiency ratio, but it's really around that throughput concept. But what it forces you to do is say, you know what, if I want to increase my throughput, I got to do two things. I've got to make the process as automated as humanly possible. (laughs) So think long and hard about the entire chain of, again, from scheduling to claim adjudication, where can I squeeze time out of that process? And that becomes a a neat exercise when you elevate beyond just one piece of the process, which is called local optimization. So if I just look at the billing function or the DNFB or or one of those, and I, I fully optimize that piece, but I don't fix the upstream and I don't fix the downstream, the likelihood that the entire throughput of revenue cycle activities changes very little. However, if I look at the entire ecosystem and I take a percentage out of, you know, everywhere along the, the way, all the activities, all of a sudden I've got significant change in my throughput. And so that using new metrics, looking at other industries and the way that they perform something that's similar. I think is a new approach that we need to take. And then leveraging, again, some of those technologies like automation to drive a percent here, a percent here, a percent here. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're up to 20% improvement. That's the mindset that I use when I go through uh, my clients' activities to try to drive something that's incredibly material for them, lessens the need for human intervention. But then when we do push it to a knowledge worker, it's real work that, that one increases morale, but then also provides more significant value for that cost of that individual. Uh, so that the, as the results come in, you know, it, obviously it's higher financial performance, really the goal. This seems like it might be a good time to talk about our sponsor a little bit, Red Dot. You would describe them at one point as a tool in your toolbox when you're working with clients. Can you talk a little bit about that? So Red Dot, good guys over there. Then they've got a pretty neat way of going about the motor vehicle accounts and the focus on the the patient portion of those. And so what they look at when they outsource that activity, 
are really three key characteristics and they, they want to try to, to grow the bottom line. And they're going to do that in a, in a unique fashion by while they acquire those MVA accounts, uh, what they do is they fund them up front with uh, no recourse. So that's a, that's a cash infusion. And then, so you get that from any of the backlog accounts that you have, but then they do that on an ongoing basis with new accounts that come in. So that, that helps to improve the bottom line immediately and over time, which is a, a nice concept. They're really focused on the patient relationship and it, that's becoming more and more important almost every day. And what we do is patient satisfaction and their approach allows them to produce some really positive outcomes for the patient that they take some of the confusion away, a lot of different things to help resolve these claims. And then from a staffing standpoint, internally, some of the things we've seen at joint clients are that they do really do help the morale of the staff because these are, these are complex cases. And they take a lot of time to resolve and all those things. And that, you know, over time, if you keep looking at the same thing with no result, it kind of uh, beats up on your morale. So by removing those challenging accounts and letting the internal staff work on those things that they can readily advance is a morale booster, too. So they, they're great to work with. The team over there, uh, you know, Michael over there is, is fantastic. We, we talk regularly, but I have no hesitation putting them in front of um, just about every client that I have that, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that what you just described kind of illustrates some of the things that we've been talking about, about using your own staff in a smarter way, right? By sending these complex claims that your staff has a really hard time with for someone else who understands them to take care of, right? And also understanding or knowing that your patients are going to feel well taken care of. That's a really important thing right now. It's an important thing always, but there's there's a lot of attention on it right now. So it sounds like all of those things that you're talking about really come to fruition in a partnership with Red Dot. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, and we talked a little bit about generically making sure that your partners have an incredibly efficient process in which to do that. And, and Red Dot's one of those. And that's why I enjoy working with them is their focus on what they do is a little bit unique, not just, okay, we'll take these accounts from you because they're hard and we'll give them to 50 of our people. That's not really the way they work it, traditional outsourcing arm. And so um, that, that was also interesting to me because I could put them in front of a client knowing that, you know, they're driving down their internal cost and sharing some of that savings with the client. That just makes for a better relationship. Well, Mike Duke, thank you so much for talking with me today. Happy to do it. And I'm excited to talk about anything you guys want. Call me anytime. I appreciate it. Red Dot is the best technology-enabled acquisition solution for hospital self-pay motor vehicle accident accounts. Hospitals can now leverage Red Dot's solution to improve their bottom line revenue while dramatically improving their patient relationships by avoiding debt collection activities. Red Dot, good for hospitals, good for patients. To learn more, visit reddotmgmt.com. Voices in Healthcare Finance is a production of the Healthcare Financial Management Association and written and hosted by me, Erica Grotto. Sound editing is by Linda Chandler. Brad Dennison is our Director of Content Strategy. Our President and CEO is Joe Pfeiffer. Thanks again to our sponsor, Red Dot, for helping make this podcast possible. We really appreciate their support. And if you would like to talk to our podcast team, we want to talk to you. You can reach us anytime at podcast at hfma.org.